and welcome to the Cinema Syndicate Podcast, the best and most exciting and most fun movie review show on the internet. I'm Matthew Scott, and we are joined by Mr. Preston Barnes out there in the West Coast. How you doing, Preston? Right on, fellas. Doing well. And moving our way from the West Coast to the East Coast, we got Mr. Joe Ray Fine in New Orleans. How you doing, Joe? Bonsoir, mes amis. And last but not least, we got Mr. Budge Husky in Washington, D.C. What's up, Budge? Ooh, feeling frosty. It's chilly here, boys. Oh, just it's so, many, so many different environments so many different weather climates um so before we get into the episode tonight we're gonna do die hard which is the 1988 action thriller classic but before we do that we always like to encourage our listeners to please go to itunes and give us a nice five-star rating if you like the show drop a nice little message it really helps us and we really appreciate it um, and before we get into die hard as always we like to do our marquee picks and Tonight, we are doing our favorite Christmas movies or Christmas episodes in TV of all time since Die Hard is the quintessential Christmas movie. And we're going to kick it off with Preston Barnes with his favorite Christmas movies. Go for it. All right. Good evening, gentlemen. I, uh, <laughs> hello. I, I guess what? I struggle with this. Um, yeah, so I wanted to do some episodes from sitcoms and then i just realized like i just like too many of them and every sitcom does a christmas episode every year and it's hard sometimes to parse through them so i just stuck to uh, movies and number three i'm going nostalgic here for one of our favorites uh i'm going with home alone (laughs) because i could just hear the music in my head this time of year i can hear that that awesome film score and i mean like, you doing one or two? You doing one or two? You doing I, I would Chicago like or New York? If possible, okay. Uh, the Home Alone one and two. I think we stop it right there. We're not going to go any further. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean both are great. Uh, I'm probably a little bit partial to one, but um, yeah. I mean, there's not much more to really say. But <laughs> I know we've all seen it, and there's a little bit of a meme going around that Pierce Morgan is the homeless lady in Home Alone too. Oh, I saw <laughs> that. And he's been having to like deny it, but they like when you put the pictures side by side, yeah. they look so ridiculously similar oh that you can God. understand why it's going around. It actually looks ridiculous. Honestly, knowing <laughs> knowing like his his face and knowing her face even better just from memory, I, I could definitely see it. And I bet Piers Morgan, knowing the way he is, of course, like can't let it go, and it's just like super aggrieved by it. He's got that like big. Budgie knows too, and if you actually put like the wig on him, he would look exactly, exactly like the homeless stuff lady and that pigeon lady in that movie. But yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, Home Alone, it's classic, so great, gives you all the good fuzzy Christmas feelings. Uh, number two, I'm very curious if anyone's seen this. I saw this, I think, two Christmases ago, uh, but it is the night before. So not the night before Christmas, the night before. And this was a Seth Rogen movie that came out. Seth Rogen and Jordan, uh, God, I always get his, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, and then Anthony Mackie. They're basically three like lifelong friends. And they gather every year for like a decade on Christmas Eve to celebrate the holidays. Uh, but this year it's a little bit different as Seth Rogen's character is like expecting a, a kid. And they start to realize like their traditions come into an end. So they, they go on this like huge, uh, like epic Chris, like <laughs> journey 
to find this like nutcracker ball, which is like the holy grail of Christmas parties in New York. And it's hilarious. It's got a, like a random cast. Uh, Michael Shannon plays this like really creepy weed dealer. And he's like, I don't, I don't <laughs> know if I've ever seen this movie. I bet you haven't. I bet you haven't. It's like, it was directed by Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Levine, Tracy Morgan narrates it, which is kind of funny. And, and let the record show, this is a Michael Shannon Stan podcast. Right, right. <laughs> I think he would like it. He, I mean, he, is, he definitely stands it's out. Also, it's also a, a Seth Rogen Stan podcast, but go ahead. Yeah, and Seth Rogen is definitely the funniest in it because they get into like ridiculous shenanigans. And, you know, I think Seth Rogen's at his best when like shit's hitting the fan because he's always has this like hilarious, <gasps> this, like hilarious commentary during it all, you know. But uh, if you haven't seen it, I would definitely see it. It's at the very least, it's hilarious and entertaining, and um, you know that might be something we want to check out later. But it's a good one. All right. There's uh, not not to derail you. There's actually a really really funny interview with where Nathan Fielder interviews that cast, and it's really really awkward. But he does the total Nathan Fielder thing for it. If anyone out there who's listening loves Nathan Fielder he as much as interviews I do, the cast, I would check before. that. Yeah, he does it right before the movie starts, and he like. Uh, like as sort of like some promotion because actually Seth Rogen's a big Nathan Fielder fan or whatever. And he just makes it incredibly, incredibly awkward for all of them. Cause he like brings up like their pay scale. He's like, so Anthony, were you paid less than that? Like, it's just, it's really, really awkward and funny, but uh, go ahead, Preston, you're number one. I'm sorry for bringing that up. Uh, that's pretty good. Uh, I want to see that. And then uh, number one, you know, it's, it's kind of weird. Like for number one, I had, like, pardon me, wanted to be like, Elf, of course, or Christmas Vacation. Yeah, I love those. But I'm going with a movie that consistently like just makes me laugh. It's so inappropriate. It has some of the funniest jokes that totally do not fly today. But I could watch this movie so many times, and I'm going with Bad Santa. <laughs> I think uh, Billy Bob Thornton is, when you put him in the right roles, he, I mean, some of the... Like his interactions with the fat little kid, uh, his name is, I think, Thurman. I think his name is Thurman. Thurman Merman. Thurman, yeah. <laughs> um, it's just, oh God, like, I just, like. See, but you know what? You know what else I love he about that? He holds he held nothing back when talking to this kid. And, 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 you know, like, there's a cuss word, like, every second. And I, it's just hilarious. It's never not funny every time I watch it. it well, it's, it's really like everything he does in that movie. There's, there's a great scene in the beginning where um, it's just kind of like showing him like what he's been up to, like kind of lately. And he's, there's a scene of him behind the bar cutting, just cutting up limes, right? Like yeah. he would be for beers. And he, they're like, Hey, what the fuck are you doing? Get out of here. It looks like, you know, it looks like he's been bartending, but he's just back behind the bar, like <laughs> cutting up limes. And it's just so casual. Yeah. Like, you know, just no nonsense. And you kind of, anyway, just adds to it, but it's like, and it's um, just, it's great too how, the way like when he is talking with Thurman of various issues, particularly Christmas that he says like the worst things, he says so many things that would absolutely crush like a little boy. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean like that time where like, I think he asked how Miss Claus is doing. And he says like, Thurman, things are fucked up in the North pole. Like Miss Claus caught me fucking her sister. Now I'm out of my ass, you know, just like, <laughs> outrageous shit <laughs> and uh you know thurman just like laps it up and he's like you want me to make you some sandwiches you know it's just he's such a sweet little boy who like believes do you want do you want some of this chocolate out of the advent calendar <laughs> yeah dude, it's it's just it's great big 
constant one-liners that are just out of control. I mean, yeah, I guess when you're like crafting a movie and a story, when you like want to foil something that's just like the ultimate worst Santa and the most like lovable, naive child is maybe the best like contrast and foil of all time. Yeah. Uh, we're going to move on to Joe. Joe, what are your top three Christmas movies or TV episodes? All right, boys. I hope you are staying warm out there wherever you're listening to us. Um, and this is an interesting choice. You know, everybody has their favorite Christmas movies. They all have their memories tied to said Christmas movies. So it can be very personal. And I bet we're going to have a lot of overlap. And so the first one, number three, is for me is going to be Home Alone. And we've discussed it a little bit, but I will throw in that I love that movie so much that <laughs> I like went with my grandparents to New York to like go to the toy store just to like see yeah. all the stuff, like to see the the Plaza Hotel. And I mean, I think it was a big deal for a kid our age to well, that's, that movie. That's Home Alone too, though, right? Right, but just yeah. both of them. You know, like Home Alone two is even more of a Christmas movie. You know, and my well, you know, they're both kind of like. Around Christmas, aren't they? Right. Yeah. So, no, they're, they're they're absolutely both Christmas movies. I, uh, and I think <laughs> if any, you were, I was just gonna say, go I ahead, Preston. Any, sorry. Any movie that is about Christmas that is in New York, which I think is just should be suggested <laughs> anytime someone does a Christmas movie. Something about it, like I forever associate New York with like Christmas in a way, or like you know certain like certain movies like Home Alone. Or like I even think of like Thirty Rock episodes, you know that just has that well, Christmas vibe to it. Well, that, I will say like Home Alone Two has like that distinct contrast between almost like someone like having that naive Christmas sort of feeling with with what you get with like Kevin McAllister, and then you've got that like evil sort of weird presence with Tim Curry, right, with his like disgusting smile oh, as yeah. like the concierge. Like it's like. It's a little bit different, and I think it does make it almost more of a Christmas movie because you root for Kevin a little bit more, not just against Joe Pesci and like the Wet Bandits, because you also have two villains because you oh, hate man. you hate the hotel staff in uh, Home Alone Two, which makes it a little bit different. Good at the end, doesn't he help him in some way? I don't know. He's the one so. they get him busted so. for the stolen credit card. Yeah. Yeah. He's like the credit card fraud guy. And he's like the first guy who's like, like, like tries to get them, get him like when he comes out of the limo. Yeah. He's Tim Curry is the ultimate oh, asshole. I want to, I want to go back to something Preston said about, uh, cause I think it's probably going to come up as to what constitutes a Christmas movie and possibly on the wheel. <laughs> and I like that Preston has created this rubric that if it takes place in New York, it qualifies. <laughs> I mean, think, there's so many other ones. No, no, no. Let's, let's, like, we'll, we'll save this debate. <laughs> I think All right, so one. Joe, go, go, go for your number you think, two before you think we get it's too like, deep it's in this. Factor. No, I don't think you have to have it in you. I just think it helps. It sure. helps my childhood nostalgia of, you know, Feely Peels. Yeah, just, Preston thinks New York Preston. is just one giant Christmas tree with a bunch of ornaments on it that are just rolling a melting down, pot of ornaments. Yeah. <laughs> It starts with Donald Trump at the top and then it just rolls down to the bottom. All right, go for it, Joe. Okay, my number two uh, was introduced to me by the lady in my life, um, Lauren Bruce, and she loves Christmas movies, right? And so <laughs> this, I guess this would qualify as an HBCM, a historically black Christmas movie, because <laughs> it's, it is this Christmas with... Uh, Let's see who is in this movie. Uh, uh, hang on, we gotta edit this out. Let me. What's his okay. name? Um, gosh, why am I blanking on it? I haven't pulled up. Uh, Chris Mac. Brown. I'm sorry. All right, let okay. me do this. 
Okay, hold on. While we, while, while we edit this out, let me get something real quick. I'll be back in 20 seconds. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah, got it. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, yeah, got it. And, um... Idris Elba's in it. It's a great what movie. What movie is this? Y'all have got to see it. It's called This Christmas. Why? Idris Elba. It's, uh, it's about like the big mama. Here, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the rundown. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Sorry. Okay, so This Christmas. Uh, you mean... But with Chris Brown, it's got Idris Elba. Um, let's see, Loretta Devine, who is a lot of the like most of the women in this uh, film are drop dead gorgeous. So just keep that in mind. But it's about um, you know Big Mama has this big house that you know is empty. All the kids have moved away, and so like Wait, Big Mama, like Martin Lawrence, or was that Big? <laughs> No. Well, her name is like her name is Madeer or something, but that's they call her like you know she's the matriarch Wait, of the family, is it Tyler right? Perry? Okay, so it's just about this family, the Whitfields, and Idris Elba plays you know the jazz playing kind of black sheep of the family who comes home from Christmas and brings home some trouble, and you know there's all kind of drama surrounding it, uh, surrounding the, all the family coming back to this <laughs> one house, Madeer's house. And it's debating about whether or not she's going to sell it or sell her business and like break up the family. You know, it's just a it's a, it's a pretty good Christmas movie. So if you have a um, a significant other in your life and you want like you know kind of a rom- a romantic comedy that you may not have checked out yet, check out this Christmas. It's um, the chicks in it are really hot. Chris Brown's in it. He sings. Um, it sounds like it's got like a lot of talent in two ways uh, is what, canceled, what, right? what Joe is basically saying. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's a great one. Um, and then, okay. So my number one, of course, has got to be the Chevy chase Chris, yeah. uh, Christmas vacation. Okay, I'm just glad um, that somebody did do it. I figured that someone would, but I also, sometimes we all think once somebody's going to do it and then we, don't do it. Oh man, it's not going in our yard, Russ. It's going in our living room. <laughs> I, yeah. it, it, it would I think this this Thanksgiving or last Thanksgiving, I heard that my mother had not seen Christmas Vacation yet, and I, it just kind of it almost floored me that I was so shocked. It's one of those movies that you got to see it. Yeah, so like it's a tradition uh, for Emily's family and my in laws, like every year watch Christmas vacation and now like for the last three or like four or five years, it's been uh, watched Christmas vacation and elf. And so it's just like, you just know it's coming probably around Christmas Eve. We're going to, we're going to put on the Griswolds, man. Well, as you get older in life, it's kind of, you know, you, you watch that movie as you're a kid and, and you kind of, you know, relate more to the gift giving and, you know, your dad being really stressed out around the holidays. Now, you know, like if you're starting to have families of your own, you're like, holy shit, this is starting to get way too familiar. Like I've got a crazy aunt in the cl- in the corner that I got to keep, you know, yeah. staying. Like she's finding Christmas gifts from 1983, like behind the furnace. You know what I mean? So like, why just, is the carpet all wet, Joe? Yeah, exactly. So you know, I'm trying to keep my house from burning down. It's it, it, it's just a classic. So it's I'm, also just like Randy Quaid, like recently became back in the news. And it's also just sort of as the film is aged and as that series is aged, you realize Randy Quaid was more just acting as himself rather yeah, than the character. He's, he's, he's just turning become, into like, Cousin Eddie. True. Yeah, actor, really yeah. 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 Randy Quaid's definitely an attainable guest for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
if, if we, we have, we can just pitch that we have like a thousand people following us, and Randy Quaid would come on this show and just you know, really go to town on conspiracy theories. I imagine you know, he pops I'm, up I'm on the lie. Zoom from a non-extradition treaty uh, <laughs> country. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to throw this out there, and I, you know, and, and I'll say this: I think that because this is obviously Christmas movie vacation is not on my list, but um, I feel like certain people grew up with that being like a mainstay in the household. Uh, I did not grow up in a household like that. I feel like either your family were like, like I'd seen, I've seen Christmas Vacation. I've seen a lot of like the Griswold, all the Griswold movies, obviously. But like, I think either your parents were like really enjoyed Chevy Chase and the Griswolds or they didn't. And then, and for us, like in my family, it was not something that was played every year. Again, I've seen it, enjoy it, but it, it doesn't like, it's not in the lexicon in, you know, in, in like the, the patois that we, you know, that of Christmas for me. Oh, yeah, it's not in like the 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 budge like family history. It's not in the, it's not my family history either, to be Maybe honest. Me, but, but like we ne- we never just didn't watch watch it. <laughs> I guess we now we get together and watch movies a lot more than we used to. But back then it was just like, I mean, Christmas seems so hectic all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we well, my family didn't really have like a family like Christmas movie time. We were more like Halloween movie people. But um, we're gonna move on to budge. Yeah. Let's go to your your top three. Christmas movies, but uh, sure. So my, my number three, I, I was looking at this and, and there were, there were a couple I kind of, uh, thought about putting here, but I definitely want to do a TV episode. So I actually did a, uh, scandal in Belgravia, which is a Sherlock episode, uh, season two, episode one, which is a throwback to a nice guys, one of my favorite shows, but it's a Christmas themed episode of the show Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman. Uh, it is kind of based off the scandal in Bohemia, which is an old Arthur Coda Dole story. Uh, I think it's like kind of an excellent, it's a, it's a season opener. It came out around Christmas and it kind of just, it had the, you know, it had the Christmas vibe. It was a good mystery. It was also like we said before about Sherlock, why, why it's so great is that it was based in, you know, an older story, but updated in a modern way and an excellent job. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you, Joseph. Uh, but um, any, you know, again, uh, I again, I can't speak higher of the show. So, um, any comments there probably y'all haven't seen it or <laughs> i have seen yeah, it but it's been I so have. long i mean i love sherlock the series well, but i can't actually pin down into like specific I episodes think it's the, because I think it's the first it's the first appearance of irene adler in the tv show um, irene adler oh. gosh pretty sure you see some new it gets pretty naked in that scene uh very much so yeah. Wait, so, Bud, give me the give me the plot. I have oh, no, listened to it. all of the all of the uh, short stories. So give me um, jog my memory. If if you put me on the spot, I'm pretty sure it's when Irene Adler has pictures of the royal family or someone from the royal family stored on her phone and it gets stolen. And so or she, and she's and he's tracked down with trying to find it. And the whole thing is he has to figure out like at the very end the password. Okay. And so at the very end, it's like Sherlocked was the password. And the password is, and then you do the Jim Carrey voice from Cable Guy, and then that's the end of the episode. That's uh, interesting. Hey, so, Bunch, were, have yeah, you seen? She, Irene you, Adler, I think, was the Dominatrix, and if I'm if I'm remembering this correctly, is the Dominatrix, and someone in the royal family had pictures with her. Yeah, yeah, no, that is right. And there's there's actually a fair amount of nudity in that episode for a nice BBC production. Um, you definitely see Irene's bottom. If I remember correctly, just a nice little butt. But go ahead, Budge, with your number two. My, my number two is uh, Bad Santa as well. Uh, I think it Love is. 
an absolute classic. Uh, you again, we you know we, we couldn't speak higher higher of Billy Bob Thornton's performance. Um, I think he's he's just lights out. He's he's classic Billy Bob. He's a tornado, and he's coming in, and, and he's he's putting on a tour de force. But I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention Bernie Mac in that movie as well. <laughs> oh uh, God, yeah, as the um, as the manager yeah, in the mall. Manager of the mall, yeah. He's so good eating is he eating the oranges. <laughs> so I mean, funny. I almost want to uh, like take a break every 15 minutes and just read like a, a bad Santa quote. I mean, they're, just <laughs> they're so funny. I mean, I, I feel like I got to go back and watch this again. Well, I feel like I'm just so missing now. I know that every single person when I talk about like Christmas movies always brings up Bad Santa and I never give it the time of day. And that's really, really terrible on my part. But I've actually never seen the movie. Joe, I know this, that you might have been a little bit quiet on the Bad Santa topic earlier. Have you seen it? Yeah, I've actually seen it. It is fucking hilarious. Okay, so I'm you just know, the odd man out here. Tony Cox, who plays uh, like his sidekick. It's foul. It's so foul. Tony Cox, yeah. who plays his sidekick, uh, he's like the elf at the beginning, essentially. Um, is from Uniontown, Alabama. So there you you go. talking about the the little person? Yeah, he's from Uniontown. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> he's also he also plays the uh, the midget in uh, Me Myself and Irene. Yes, here's, he does. The, here's that she runs from a bit. He goes, "You're an huh? emotional fucking cripple. Your soul is dog shit. Every single fucking thing about you is ugly." <laughs> I was actually thinking about that line, or I couldn't quite nail it like that. But I was like, "There's something where he's like, there's something fucking wrong with you." <laughs> yeah, you emotional fucking cripple. That definitely gets down to the heart of the problem. Uh, Pudge, what do you think about your number one? Uh, my number one is, and again, we were just kind of discussing like what's what's in your family, like you know traditions, and, and I guess when I think back on it, we always if we didn't we always watch this movie but we usually went to the play as well but that would have to be a muppet christmas carol with my uh, dude i love that dude, absolutely. i'm so happy you did that uh, and so you know, obviously you the classic charles dickens story um you know, with the, michael caine right yeah absolutely um, i love yeah. it that you brought up the christmas carol shakespeare i mean sure did, right let's give a shout out to the out of the shakespeare festival here every, uh that's something we did every single year i'm surprised year. we never like ran into oh, each had, other well they did show it like every night for like a month and a half yeah <laughs> but now, do you guys do you remember the one year that they let us all drive to a christmas carol and i think we were juniors in high school and all everyone in the podcast was there right and, and so like oh, we all God. pile in i, I think that. either i think we either Piling pokies, uh, forerunner, and we all like smoke a joint we before the show. Before he walked in, <laughs> we uh, had, like ten minutes to get there. We were. It was. I think that was a great movie. I won't. I won't no, name a person, but there was somebody who got a DUI on the way to that. Wait, holy shit! Damn. But anyways, no, I absolutely remember Joe because I, I don't. I, I can kind of remember who I was, I was with, but we definitely had like a bunch of shots of bourbon. And we definitely smoked a joint, and every single person that was sort of, I think, trying to get fucked up definitely found a way to get fucked up. You met that. us, uh, I think, because we had people from like the west side and people from the east side, and we like met in the parking lot. We all kind of got together. I think. Does this sound right? And like, because I just feel like some people were like, walking yeah, back, we all walking back to the car, be like, well, one more hit, you know, and like, let's well, go. Because we had to go, you know, it was through that park around um how what's that park called it's like blunt park or something and um Blunt park yeah well it's like went blunt park or that backs up to it uh the shakespeare festival park 
and I think that's where we everyone hopped out, right? A random European landscape in the middle of Montgomery. Oh no, no, no! Mm-hmm. Well, we we definitely saw a play one time where we like met, like everyone started at school, and right. then everyone got to their cars, and then when everyone got to their cars that's in like the right. parking okay. lots, that's when like everyone's like, "Oh, I've already got this planned out. We're gonna get fucked up on the way to the Shakespeare Festival." <laughs> And yeah, it was yeah, yeah, it was like ten in the morning. We were all doing like shots and like smoking joints and stuff and doing bullshit like that. And absolutely no, we I got fucked up before we saw some. Carol, yeah. I don't yeah. know if it's Christmas Carol or some type of like, like theater in the round, like the small Mid-Tum theater Green. or some bullshit. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> I really uh, don't. It know. was Miss Saigon. Yeah, great. <laughs> it was pick, Othello though, with the Muppet. You got to give the Muppet Muppets love. Uh, the Muppet movies are fantastic, but I've actually never seen the uh, Muppet Christmas bunch. Dude, if you want to like no talk a little bit about Muppet man. Christmas, looks like everybody's gonna have a really place. fun Christmas watching movies they hadn't seen. Budge, where is it set? What <laughs> Muppet Christmas Carol? Yeah, in London. In London, yeah. What? And in, in the Victorian uh, era. Okay, shit. I, w- I was thinking about they. All right, never mind. That, I thought they did. They didn't. They do like a sequel. Preston was trying to get like a gotcha, like it's set in Nebraska or some shit. What were you talking about, Preston? <laughs> yeah, they're doing it, in Lincoln. You're yeah. thinking of <laughs> Bill Murray and Scrooged, which is uh, a which is a modern update to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that remember. on someone's list? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> okay. So we're gonna move on. We're gonna move on to my top three here before we get into Die Hard. Uh, my top three, uh, I'm surprised no one brought this up because everyone's huge South Park fans. I've got the number three is the Woodland oh, yeah. Critter Christmas from South Park, I, which I is just so, so, it's so ridiculous and gross <laughs> when Stan the- finally finds out that they're like trying to give birth to the Antichrist and they start having a blood orgy and all sorts of dumb, crazy shit. It's so gross. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, number two. I've got the Christmas special from the BBC HBO hit Extras, the Ricky Gervais show, which I've got just a, it, it's it's so great. I love that series so much. And number one, we've already talked about this a little bit, even though no one mentioned it, Preston did a little bit, but um, I've got Elf, which is sort of, that is the one movie that like my family always watches over Christmas. So I've got that one written down. Um, it's a Will Ferrell classic. <laughs> and also just okay. another excuse for Will Ferrell to sing. Uh, I feel like he always has excuses to sing in every single movie, kind of like Sam Rockwell has excuses to dance in every single movie. Can we, uh, can we make pod merch? It's like like the Let Trey sing, but Let Will sing. <laughs> Absolutely. Once like we like get big enough to people, once we get like sort of to the point where people realize that we keep on having recurring themes, we absolutely <laughs> should. But no, there is some sort of like Hollywood thing going on with Will Will uh, Ferrell. Definitely needs to sing in every single movie. No, it's true. I, I, I absolutely know, I know. think it is. I, I love that you pointed out because I, for some reason, I, before we started doing all this, like I never really thought about it. But he does do it a lot of the times, and it's generally pretty funny. Well, no, no, there is a legit thing where Sam Rockwell has something in his contract where he has to like dance in every single movie, and I almost think that there's something in Will Ferrell's contract where he has to like sing in Sam every single Rockwell movie. Dances. Yeah, dude, he dances in Moon. He dances. Oh, when is he in dancing in Moon? Oh, what? When's he dancing? He like, moon? I can't remember right, specifically, well, but like, he, he doesn't. And uh, when he plays, uh, don't he play W at some point? He does it in Iron mm-hmm. Man Two. He does it in Dangerous him. Mind. He know. does it in Matchstick Men. Like, dude, like, I'm, I'm being dead serious. And like, every single time he comes on Jimmy Fallon, he does some sort of dancing too. Like, it's his thing. What and about I, I three billboards. 
No way he's dancing that. I don't know if he dances in Seven Psychopaths either, either but like uh, there could be some like leeway in some of this stuff. I'm just saying that he loves to dance and Will Ferrell. What loves about to in sing. Ninja Turtles 1? You know, Wilson, and I haven't gone through his whole catalog. Mm-hmm. I've not he plays seen one of the punk kids shows. in the Foot Clan. Jesus Christ. Wilson. Y'all don't know enough about it. Y'all want to list Ninja Turtles on your picks last week and y'all don't know enough about it. I know about the Foot Clan, dude. <laughs> I didn't realize he was in fucking. That's the, the OG. Well, none of us really knew that we had a PhD in Ninja Turtles history on the show, but Budge has proven himself to just always be a man of mystery and man of surprises. Well, and uh, we appreciate that so much. I love your what pick. Were you say, I love your pick of Elf. I think it's just an awesome movie. It's so. <laughs> I, just to bring it bring it home so we can continue on. It is funny. It gives it definitely gives you all the good Christmas feelings. It's just a nice family movie, but you get some Will Ferrell ridiculousness. Just and to make honestly, it, he plays a a, a man. Elf no, but it, it's really it's well. it it's like really fun humor that's like not gross or not like something that's adult. Like the candy spaghetti bit, the like the coffee bit is all so funny, and like him just being in like the store, the, like like Christmas store or whatever, and I, then yeah. that juxtaposition. Everything is so so funny, and it's so simple, and it's so uh, it's universal in terms of its comedy. Is I guess maybe right. what I'm getting at. It's not. It's not R-rated. Like Everyone Hubie can Halloween. laugh at it. Yeah. It's, what were you going to say, Bud? I was going to say, just to, you know, we're talking about keeping it family friendly, just to not keep it family friendly for a second. Do we prefer <laughs> Zoe Deschanel as a brunette or a blonde? Brunette. Uh, I agree. I think it's brunette. What? I feel like that's personal taste or whatever, but I I really don't know if you if you're dressing up in an elf costume or whatever, it's like a Santa's helper. She might look better as a blonde. What do you think, Preston? I was just thinking that one that's one board. of the times that he's singing is when they do the back and forth. Isn't she it, like in the shower or something, and like it's still kind of family friendly at the same time, or is or is he in the shower? She is, and she's singing, and he hears it. And one of the great things about his character is that he's so naive, and like still comes, you know, you got to remember from like this elf land where he sees like uh, an escalator, and he's like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah. Yeah. So he just like walks in there, and he sings with her, and then yeah, she's like, "What the fuck are you doing, crazy man?" So he's just like outside of the shower, I think. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. He's so naive not to know that he's in such a privileged situation there. Um, so what we're going to do now is we're going to move on to Die Hard. One second. I'm a little What's shocked you? that not a single person in this crew picked a Dr. Seuss animated film or like The Grinch Stole Christmas. What the fuck? Do you think we're all like children here no. that make green eggs and ham or something? But like, what, Grinch, what you... I think The Grinch is worthy for sure. I was expecting it to be on someone's list. Like the okay. uh, the original Grinch, mm-hmm. or even like the claymation, because I almost put the community episode, uh, like Abed's Christmas special, on here, but I thought it'd be too obscure. Not that Another. Sherlock wasn't, but it was like an hour and a half, so it was more of like a mini movie. Nightmare Before Christmas. That's another great one. That's another one too. Yeah, I mean, like everyone could have picked like some Charlie Brown Christmas or something like that, but you know, we all just have specific tastes. I am surprised that Joe didn't go more British. That's been like his sort of thing recently. Happy Christmas, Joe Joseph. Yeah. Please, yeah. sir. <laughs> Oliver Twist over Christmas. Want yeah. Some exactly. more. <laughs> what no, did you no, say? I, I feel like we've get, we got a nice like list compiled. It's actually like really, really food glorious. Food. It's, it's standard, but we all justified it. Yeah. Um, 
but that sort of moves on to what we were going to like talk about a little bit is that we just talked about our favorite, favorite Christmas movies and we're moving on to like Bruce Willis and John McTiernan's 1988 smash hit die hard. And one of the biggest questions on the internet right now is always is die hard a Christmas movie. So I just want to start out by asking you guys, I've got maybe a little list of how it could be a Christmas movie, but do you consider after watching it, maybe watching it multiple times, I've seen this movie so many times. I know Preston's only seen it once maybe, but do you guys consider Die Hard a Christmas movie? Uh, Preston, after watching it once, would you recommend this movie as a Christmas movie to someone else? Well, so going into it, I knew about this uh, debate, controversy, or this debate, not controversy. And so I was like, all right, well, I kind of like one of the things I wanted to do was see, we'll see how the act, how the action and everything like held up in general, but also just see like, okay, is this, why, why is this such a big deal? Why do people always talk about this? Um, Cause it's literally trending a lot when uh, I go through like Google keywords for work. I don't know. It's always trending um, during this time of the year. So, you know, having watched it one time uh, last night, I would say absolutely it's a Christmas movie because you've got people constantly humming Christmas car- carols. A lot of humming, by the way. I'd like to uh, talk about that later, maybe. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's there's Christmas music in it. Um, I think, I mean, it's a Christmas party, right? At the Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. So I, I, how is this not a Christmas movie? It's definitely a Christmas movie. Am I crazy? Yeah, I think some people like sit around the argument that if it doesn't feature Santa Claus like trying to save the day, that's not a Christmas. In a way, it does. So, what do you think, Budge? So, I'll I'll say this is has recently been weighed in on by uh, Barack Obama Juris Doctorate on, um, I believe it was Jimmy Fallon, and and he he said his argument was that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie just because it tangentially occurs on Christmas, thus not making it a Christmas movie. But what that argument lacked was some rubric of what became a Christmas, what 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 makes a Christmas movie itself. So one of the things I was thinking about is that while, yeah, it's true to say that Die Hard is just t- Christmas, you know, tangentially Christmas and the fact that it just takes ha- it takes place on Christmas. But the fact that it takes place on Christmas is crucial to the plot. Because in order yeah. for that building to be abandoned, right, in order for there to be right. a skeleton crew of security and there only to be about 30 people in the building required it to take place on Christmas. And I don't think any other time that could happen. Great point. Um, what, what do you guys say, yeah. Joe? What do you think? is? Also, you pair that with the fact that uh, Bruce Willis's character mm-hmm. is coming back to see his family, his sure. wife and everybody for Christmas. And, right. you know, his, the, his whole raison debt was to get on a plane and, and surprise everybody that he was coming back for Christmas. He's got a Christmas present, a giant bear. And, and, and what and, and what is the meaning of Christmas? Right. If it's if it's not to be about family, you know, and not to be you know with your family and your close ones. And that's really what it is, is him trying to figure out how much he wants to be with his loved ones. Well, and, and, and I will say this, too. It's not just like that, like it sets the stage. It's kind of like what. Joe was getting at, but there's also so many illusions during the movie that it is a Christmas movie, or like they keep on alluding to the fact that it's Christmas time is maybe what I should say. Is that like the music, when like the bad guys show up and also the bad guys like keep on doing stuff, there definitely is, uh, if you, I don't know if 
I'm wrong about this or I don't know, but they definitely incorporate Ode to Joy in that music. I don't know if you guys noticed that. It definitely is there. It's, it <laughs> absolutely is there. Very similar to uh, like the Nice uh, Guys with uh, Papa's the Rolling Stone. It kind of meshes into yeah. the theme. Which I was wondering uh, if that was an homage to like the EU, like Western, like Western Germany type thing. You know what I mean? Like where that they, they were trying to tie that, like he's a European terrorist type. You know what I mean? Like or whether or not that was oh, a Christmas uh, move or what? Like I thought it was a Christmas move because it okay, kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. they kind of had like those horns playing. It really did sound like sort of like Chris, like joyful, joyful, and it's almost like they were oh, excited to be. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the EU's national anthem. That's why I'll, I'll bring it up. Oh, okay. I did not know that. Um, yeah. The other thing too is obviously the ending sequence is when Bruce Willis's character John McClane he uses Christmas wrapping materials to sort of hide his weapon at the end. It's almost like if they didn't want it to be sort of a Christmas special Christmas movie, sort of they kept on hammering it home even till the end. And they made it specifically kind of like Christmassy when he, you know, seals the deal, so to speak. I don't, I don't know. I guess. And that's, and I'll get back to kind of, cause you're saying like what I was talking about, like if we're going to make this argument that like movies that are tangential to Christmas aren't Christmas movies, then like neither is home alone. Right. Yeah, like, well, yeah, it, it, it yeah. could have just been a movie about a kid who got his parents went away for a long Number weekend. One. It could have been any weekend, you know. Um, yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. And even I'll I'll bring up one like when he kills his the the first guy who I guess is like Carl's brother. I forget the guy's name or whatever. He dresses him up in like the Santa hat or whatever. It says ho ho ho. Earlier, yeah. Like there's there's so many ways they could have made it non Christmas. Like like you said, Budge, they could have made it just sort of a plot like device and oh this is a way to get bruce willis's character to la right a christmas party to meet his ex-wife or whatever like a strange wife or i really don't uh, they're the relationship it's very unclear <laughs> yeah it's very unclear i don't know they're separated i don't know if they're still married who gives yeah. a shit but anyways <clears throat> it could have just been a plot device okay it's christmas that's a great way to get them there but they keep on hammering it home right and that's why i do think it's a christmas movie because they could let it drop but they keep on doing it throughout the whole fucking movie, and it actually makes sense. Yeah, I think thematically, and I mean, like it's a character in a way, like the, the timeline here. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like setting, or I mean, it plays it plays a factor throughout the movie. And and I know, like, I go back to like once you incorporate some Christmas music, I, I, it's like, I mean, what do when when do you know it's Christmas? Like, when do you know Christmas season is upon us? When you turn on the <laughs> fucking radio after thanksgiving and it's like everything is christmas music or you go anywhere it's christmas music so like I, it just seems purposeful that uh McTiernan was wanted it to be like a kind of a big part so i, I don't see how it couldn't be a christmas movie. Yeah, all right well so, i guess, I guess like, we're, we're all 100 <laughs> we're all 100 agreed on that i imagine there's people on the internet right now maybe people listening who are going absolutely not it's not a christmas movie because it doesn't include a fat santa claus with a big old beard that's going around spreading christmas cheer but i really do i really do think that it, like it it incorporates christmas enough to where it is a christmas movie um but speaking about like incorporating things this movie, I'm not going to get too deep or too serious on. I don't think there's too many like relevant themes or something to like actually discuss. But there's so many, so many great one-liners, so many great little scenes. I was just curious what all you guys' favorite like moments were. Like if you watched it for the first time, like Preston, when you watched this movie, did you when like what little moments stood out to you that go, 
oh my God, I can see why this movie has sort of stand, stood the test of time for 32 years. And maybe for the people like us, like Joe and Will, uh, Budge and I, that like have seen this movie so many times, maybe like when you rewatched it, were there moments where you go, oh my God, I never mo- noticed that. Like what was funny? What was great? What what do you think, Preston? Like when you first watched this movie, what do you think were the funny moments, the best moments? What were like the moments that stood out to you? Um, well, the whole thing is, is incredibly entertaining, even at two hours and 11 minutes. I don't think it really drags too much. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> like a lot of the one-liners are, are pretty outright. Like I knew, I knew of Yippee-Ki-Yay, motherfucker. Like I knew that was coming up, but there's so many more. Like I, I swear, and I rewound rewound it. I'm pretty sure he said this, but uh, when he's beating up, or he's like killing someone, he said uh, towards the end, he's like, "I'm." He says, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you, cook you, and eat you." Like, <laughs> I, I, that that that's what he says. I think. If not, then I, maybe I just heard that. But like, it was just. I, I feel like Bruce Willis, just in general, his character. The fact that all this goes down when he's like in his tank top wife beater and then he's barefoot <laughs> and he has the whole rest of the movie now. He's got to be barefoot running around like, you know, creating all these ridiculous stunts and like avoiding them while also like helping out the situation to me is just I just thought it was so it was almost hilarious at times. And it made me wonder, like, and this was something I want to ask to y'all who've seen this. You know, this is my first time seeing this movie. It came out in 1988. You know, I, I'm watching it and I'm seeing, I'm like, oh, cliche, 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 you know. But then I've started to think like, okay, wait, did Die Hard start all these action movie cliches? Are they the standard? Yeah. Is this the standard bearer for Correct. So, so this is like, it's like you just said, this is something I was talking about with Saving Private Ryan. Is that like this movie might be like when you rewatch it, it's kind of like one of those things. It's like it's guilty of its own success because that's what everybody like when you watch it, you're like, oh, that's like I've seen something like this, but I haven't right. seen the OG. And now you're watching the original. Like, oh, wait, you got to give it for credit. It's like it started all that. <laughs> right. Like yeah. the the one liner, you know, the. You know, insert sort of those like kind of like. You know, got guys got to run around barefoot kind of action scenes, but like that was the first one to do it, man. And I don't know. Again, I, I'm not an action movie efficient out of history but like when i was kind of rewatching this like i forgot like how i don't know risque to a degree this was like it was certainly wasn't like pg-13 and like like let's just take for example like i was sitting here i haven't been to a christmas party that wild before right in 1988 like there were people just walking into office rooms we were talking talking they were tits and then (laughs) on top of it the guy eric is just blowing down multiple times like the ball the ceo and the cfo walk in and he's just ripping lines off the de- not even his desk didn't even bother to lock the door yeah they didn't seem to and care then, what's an excuse when he says that else when he's just like i oh, was just finishing up or yeah. some shit yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely yeah. ridiculous yeah. 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 he's like trying to rub it off and like bruce willis is like hey like mm-hmm. left a little hand you missed the spot he said spot. he told yeah. you you missed the spot <laughs> And then, and don't forget, then later when they're being held hostage, now granted, <laughs> he's just doing open air key bumps. Oh, yeah. Like, you remember, yeah. he's just like, all right, I'm going to go talk to these guys. And like, then that's when he, like, you know, overplays his hand. But it's just, I was just like, what? Oh, what I guess planet it was is this going on? You know, and like, uh, I mean, I know, but like, I had just kind of on rewatch forgotten how, like, you know, 
Like, by the way, we all know when Ellis. The uh, thing is, you said Eric, but his name Ellis, is Ellis. I'm sorry. He's, abs- he's absolutely fucking ridiculous, uh, and he's one of my favorite characters in a movie of all time. He is the ultimate goddamn bro. What do you have to say, Joe? What do you think? Goes, Ellis is so ridiculous. He goes, "Hey, babe, I negotiate <laughs> million dollar deals for breakfast. I think I can handle this Euro trash." <laughs> <laughs> it's just so good. When, Hans, when he, Bubby. He's Bubby. when he's trying to like when he's trying to compete with like John McClane. He talks about the watch. He's like, "Show him the watch," and like, "Blah blah blah." Are you embarrassed? And he does this like whole scene. But if you look at his face, I really think it's like one of like the my favorite acting hall moments. Moments he does these like sort of facial contortions, like sort of like jogging his face, and he's like, like this cocky sort of. It's a Rolex. And it's so, so ridiculous and so funny. I I love the Ellis character so much. Yeah. He plays <laughs> the, the douchebag 1980s, like, I have too much money, you know, like, just like kind of stockbroker type deal. It's just like an absolute, you know, no one, no one, no one really seemed to like him. And he's got just way too much confidence for his. Well, no one even likes him or respects him either. Like no one's like some guy. Like he didn't even have like a, a follower or something like that. That's like Ellis is a, the man. Like it's. It, I guess there wasn't enough time to maybe develop yeah. that. But like he literally, no one gives a shit about this dude. And don't forget too, you had like at the very beginning, you had this kind of like you know '90s workplace moment where uh, Bruce Willis's wife or ex-wife or whatever she is. Like, he's walking around at the Christmas party trying to be like, hey, babe, let's go out. And, like, you know, like, very much coming on to her in an inappropriate oh, yeah. way for somebody who's, like, either your boss or your, like, you know. Oh, yeah. Like, totally high level, you know. It also doesn't make any sense. I mean, this woman's either married or divorced, and she has kids. And this dude's kind of like a good-looking executive. And he's like, I guess I really want to, like, have sex with, like, the older woman that has kids. Like, this guy could probably be getting something. I, I'm sorry for being misogynistic here, but it really doesn't make too much sense. Well, it's almost like they were trying to like play. They're trying to play into the story a bit too right. much, to like make him a competitor for Bruce Willis's character. Right. We don't have much of a background. I mean, like you're right. Like he's just this ridiculous character who I would have loved to seen like the writing session when they're like, "How about we have this like uh, just." coat crazed you know party executive guy who's just ready to part like have a good time and you know it's over over his skis on everything like I, I he just seems he seems out of place but he works really well and and having now like seen y'all's like texting back and forth about him and like that face that he does that smile <laughs> when he feels like he's really like sealed the deal i guess it's just it's too good Oh, I mean, like his fucking thumbs up when like he like tries to act like they're like he tries to like act like he's like really got it going on. Like he thinks he's leveraged Bruce Willis's character, John McClane, into like doing the right thing. Like, hey, man, they're going to kill me if you don't tell me anything. And he gives that thumbs up and smile to uh, Hans. I mean, it's just so, so ridiculous. I, 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 I keep on going back to the word ridiculous because it's not it's not good enough to explain it. But he's just so cheesy and so re- fucking annoying that like you almost want to see him get shot in the face at that moment. That smile he gives is so absolutely outrageous. I mean, I, I do love that Ellis character. Uh, I don't know. What, do you, what any, Anybody else got some like ridiculous moments? I've got one in terms of Bruce Willis's character, John McClane, whenever he actually actually fights somebody, 
he seems like he almost like could seal a deal by killing them, but then he does something absolutely stupid by like jumping on top of them. So like the first moment when he uh, <laughs> he wants to kill that first guy or whatever, yeah, like and he's he got didn't the just shoot him. Like, yeah, he didn't, exactly. Like and he and like if the argument is here that like oh he couldn't shoot first, like dude, that was self defense. That guy had already yeah. shot. Like, you know what I mean? I don't, there's not a situation. He does this thing where he gives up all his leverage and he's like a five foot seven guy. He's jumping on top of a six foot four guy and just like, he's clearly going to get beaten in that wrestling battle. I don't understand why he did it. I think the way they were trying to say it was that like, that again, it was like, he didn't like, he's like a cop. So he plays it by the book, but I'm just saying there's not a book in my mind that like when a guy's shooting an assault rifle off at you, like a terrorist that like, you can't just shoot him. Right, you know, like yeah, exactly. once you, he's like, he's like, okay, he got him pinned. He's like, put your hands behind your back. No, he's like, you <laughs> fucking cap that guy. Well, I mean, like you said, like you said, Buzz, like they they do hint at that and mm-hmm. said, like you're a cop, you've got rules, you got to play by it. And then like John McClane says, oh, that's my what my captain always says. Mm-hmm. But then like he does, it, like he could have at least used a goddamn weapon as like, I mean, a, a, the gun as a weapon, like hit him on the head or something like that. But he just jumps on top of him like a like a two-year-old on top of somebody who's 200 pounds and then he has to wrestle. It's so ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. It makes for great entertainment, but it doesn't make any sense when you're watching the movie. What do you think, Joe? I mean, like when, when you watch John McClane, do you think like his fighting style works? Or do you think it was just made for TV? Well, I, I think that it, it is made for TV a lot in another sense of his, in, of the, the way that the motherfucker never runs out of am, ammunition. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, he's got. That's not true. He was always collecting clips. I understand that, but I mean, the the, the amount that gun. he lets it go, that one clip is about forty rounds. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's like there's four or five different shots of him like unloading before he like finally rolls over and like takes another clip like, out of his belt. Like, gonna... If we're taking umbrage with sort of like your realistic news, I would say like the most thing that bothered me the most re- on rewatch was when he jumps down the elevator shaft and he's all like sweaty and gross. Oh, and, and still and is he, able and to, he, and he grabs yeah. with his fin- the finger grab yeah. on the air vent. Like I was like, yeah. okay, that's like full weight, like you know. But I'm not that picky. Like I get that's a part of it. He's a scrappy motherfucker. I didn't see that. By the way, I didn't know did, much. Did about you guys like character? And I was just like, holy shit, this guy's just gonna like. Gonna give it his all. He's never gonna like. Seems like a cockroach. Like he can't die. I feel like the costume designers like had like his his tank top in three different acts. Like okay, the first act is like when he's not doing anything serious. The second act when he gets initially injured, and the third act is like when he's like just incredibly, incredibly injured and maybe super sweaty. But it didn't like almost progress normally over time. Is that something like maybe I'm just super, super crazy dumbly thinking about this stuff but it almost felt like like his his tank top went from being perfectly white to being marginally bloody to being super super sweaty and crazy brown it was like yeah it was like black i I would say yeah the thing that also stood out to me in that sense was it like kind of cracked me up is like you think if this movie you know was like a 1998 he'd be wearing like some acid wash jean (laughs) tank top but he had like slacks Right. Well, he was he was there for a Christmas That's party. You know? I get it. He was in the middle of changing when all this went down, but it just kind of made <laughs> yeah. me laugh. Well, uh, what what'd you guys? I mean, like, did you guys like even notice? Uh, I know that that may be too picky. Maybe it's something that was super stupid. But like I said, it was something that 
maybe I was asking previously, like something that like when you watch it previous times, the first time you don't notice, but when you watch it for the second or third or fourth time, you might notice. Joe, did you like think his tank top ever sort of got a little too dark or did you like his progression with this tank top? That's, that's, I mean, I know that's a stupid fucking question to ask, but I'm just curious if you no, noticed it. I guess I'm more surprised that it, did, that it made it all the way through. You know, through, through all the broken glass and explosions that it didn't like that little thin little piece of cotton didn't you know, blow off and he's then he's all ripped and buff shirtless you know I guess, oh yeah you know what i mean anything can always be sexier and i'll go ahead and throw that out there that they could have blown off his wife beater at some point <laughs> and gone full shirtless bruce he could have found a mesh tank top that just like showed his nipples right. and his abs. Like, like he's like, Oh my God, I guess my, my, my tank top burnt off, but I found this mesh one. Yeah. That some construction worker was wearing. What, what do you think, Preston? Did you like find anything in that movie that like you, where you found kind of maybe ridiculous when you were watching it or what, what'd you think? Well, again, I just, for me, I, I think if I'd seen this movie a lot longer, long ago, I would have had a like, kind of a different perspective. So for me, it was, it was trying to watch it and understand like the time it came from and like the cultural kind of impact it's had while be, you know, like us, like, I mean, there are times where I was just watching all these uh, German terrorists run around and I was just like, this just looks like a bunch of Fabio's running around. I mean, like they, <laughs> they've got this ridiculous, like long blonde hair. And like, so I had to like get past like, you know, like, Oh, what? Like it's German terrorists, but like it's 1988. Um, and like Alan Rickman, who's so great by the way um uh, really in anything he does but uh I, as hans gruber i didn't to the extent that he takes that accent is it's like it still sounds like him and i keep hearing severus snape you know but like yeah at the same time he does like it sounds german and i mean because he's he's english right alan rickman was yeah exactly english. yeah he's english yeah but uh yeah so i mean like so there are times where it's just super cliche and it feels like this is a ridiculous action movie but then i just had to remind myself like or and that's why i asked y'all i was like i think this was like the first of its kind in this regard and and being like this huge blockbuster deal but uh i mean like i loved it and i love the one-liners I, I like expected them to happen almost more <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Did you guys like? We'll, we'll move on a little bit to the ending, though. Um, actually, I don't really know how to transition to this, but like, <laughs> what did you guys think about the ending? Did you think that like we didn't even get until sort of like uh, Carl from uh, Family Matters in terms of him being a cop and him being involved in this whole movie or whatever? Did you like that Carl was like sort of maybe the closing part of this movie in the sense that like his whole backstory and arc? sort of like culminated toward the, the final scene of the movie, or would you like to see John McClane sort of be the final person that ended Carl's life? What, what do you think, Budge? What do you think about the ending? In what sense? Like, um, well, in, in the sense that like, did you think that like a minor character got to end almost the movie in the most dramatic fashion? Did okay, you think it well, should have? Like, yeah. Okay. Did I think that was a bit over the top? Like there was that redemption arc of like, we didn't maybe that, that maybe that was too much extra, right? Learning about Carl Weathers and like how he was on a desk jockey because he shot a kid in the dark who thought had a ray gun, right? Like at 13, like that was a little like, maybe, maybe we didn't need that much drama. Yeah. Right. And then that was like the whole point of him shooting in the end. Uh, and I think it was just like give him a little bit of action and maybe get him a little spirit. But like, I actually, you know, it's kind of, it, that's not a scene you'd see 
you know, in 2020. Um, that scene's not making it in that movie. Uh, and I, and again, I, and again, speaking, of, I don't know how appropriate it is. Um, wait, which, wait, which scene? I'm talking about For Carl Weathers shooting the guy in the end. And, but the Carl, whole story about Carl him Weathers. being on the, like him, the whole reason he's no longer. Reginald Bill Johnson. Yeah, it's not Carl Weathers. Well, sorry, I don't know why too much Mando lately. Sorry, yes. Yeah. But the whole reason that he is not a, like, I guess a higher up in the force, right? Like it's one of the things that he established via his talks with Bruce Willis, with John McClane, is that he had shot a kid who he thought was yeah. carrying a gun, right? And I think the point of the end of that movie when he shot the German terrorist was to like make up for that, right? And show that he could still be a beat cop. And I don't know if like, it is. I'm not so surely I agree with that. Like, it's an interesting story angle. I can't. I, that's what I was saying is I don't think they're gonna they're gonna have it in 2020. Well, I just I, I for my whole thing is, is like I, how necessary. Like it's I I guess you know he come like he comes along maybe like an hour into the movie or like 45 minutes into the movie. I guess I'm just questioning how important it was to like what they're trying to accomplish with the with well the entire I know I I didn't have a problem I with him saying, Budge, though. Like, I, I, well, I didn't have a problem with him and Bruce Willis like making connection right oh, yeah. no, that's but, great. but but what they don't necessarily show right is like they make it by the end of the movie it is like such a deep connection that Bruce Willis feels the need to hug him at the end and like kiss him and thank yeah. you so much and then like at one point uh you know Al is talking about how we got a lot of guys over here rooting for you like a lot of like you know, like regular cops like dude how long y'all been talking on the damn cb you know what i mean you right, act like yeah. y'all yeah, no, right. this like year long relationship like right, this, partner yeah like you know it there I, I i just didn't i don't know if i bought it like my the, the suspension of disbelief was a little much there they established this hugely deep relationship and then all the guys all the rank and file on the on the LAPD was rooting for Roy as opposed to the brass, which was exemplified by the principal from the breakfast club, you know, <laughs> like being, well, you know, him. incompetent. Right. Like I'm cracking skulls. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, and then, and then him like telling the, telling the captain off or where like the, you know, the, like he was ever, he was like vice chairman, you know, it, it just, and he just like shut up. You're just like, you know, it's kind of like, all right, this, this little bit is gone a little too far. But that, I mean, that's, I don't want to sound overly yeah, critical, but, it was also but really like, cliche and really like, yeah. like I, I laughed really hard, y'all. It made me think of South Park, but when, uh, uh, God, the breakfast club principal, whatever is, they're like, who's in charge here? And he's like, I am. And, and the FBI guy's like, not anymore. You're not. The best line by that guy though, was when they were in the helicopter and he goes, just like Saigon, yeah. Eight years old, man. Yeah. yeah, he goes. He goes. I was in middle school, and I actually kind of did the math, and I was like, I don't think that works out 100. I was trying to <laughs> like, figure that out too. Yeah, no, no, no. But you're right, buds. That 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 just like Saigon line was something that obviously they wanted to include to just be like ridiculous or yeah. funny or some bullshit. Oh, dude, but this guy was some like. Vietnam vet that just loved killing somebody, so then they just had some fucking throwaway thing. Go ahead, Joe. It, the, another great line from the uh, Breakfast Club principal was when uh, Rickman is falling out of the, or somebody's falling out of the building, and he goes, "Geez, I hope that's not a hostage." <laughs> <laughs> He's like doing somersaults out the window and like hits the car. It's like, oh shit! I hope yeah. that's not a hostage. 
<laughs> I mean, I the other thing that is kind of interesting to to take a look at this movie is like, obviously, this movie's made in 1988, and we grew up post, you know, September 11th, 2001. But like, how much damage that building took and oh, like yeah. didn't collapse was shocking. You know, I, I was watching like, that, you know, I was wondering that at the same time too, and I, I just assumed that they maybe did like the science about it, but like when you drop a packages of c4 mm-hmm. onto the base of a building the base not the top mm-hmm. the base right was that the chair move through the yeah. elevator shaft yeah you would think like if you do that to the base of something it would fuck it up entirely not the top like you know like it's it's i, I yeah i don't know you're, you're right budge i was thinking about that myself and i was like oh yeah i don't know but like Suspicion of disbelief, like you kind of said, I go, okay, I'll just live with it. But you wonder if that would have really, really fucked things up way, way harder. Yeah. Brad, are you trying uh, to tell me that jet fuel doesn't burn hot enough to melt steel beams? Yeah, C4 doesn't burn hot enough. To- <laughs> speaking, <laughs> of, uh, speaking of fuel here, uh, jet fuel, you know, for one second, I thought Argyle was the booty sweat guy from Tropic Thunder. <laughs> You it's sure you think it was chocolate rain? They kind of look alike. <laughs> I thought Argyle, at first I was so caught off guard by Argyle. I, you know, I, mean, I was just like, is this how limo drivers were in the 80s? Like, the first day and he's Dude. just super. Dude, like, I love that. He's like, we got a, like, we got a like, full bar, VHS, <laughs> and then he just throws on some NWA. Like, yeah. And then if you think about it too, like. He's where? Where is he? Is he just off to the side of the building, just like chilling during all this? And I know he's like listening he's in the parking deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the parking decks know. are usually underneath. Yeah, so he's like underneath. Is my guess? But see, I, no, no, no. He was what to the side. Like I, I don't know. I, I don't think it was in in Los Angeles in that era. I don't think it was crazy to have the parking deck right next to the building. But yeah, it seemed like he was like next to the building, but like. I just love like he's just like sitting there hanging out, making calls, watching cable TV, yeah. and watching VHS. You think he would have felt some of these explosions yeah. at one point, you know, or like heard guns. Hell, shot. they think I'm on my way to Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he turned out. Be, he turned out to be like a, a, a pretty great character. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess he was sort of like that form of comic relief where like everyone's sort of like struggling. He's just sort of like don't. No, like they kept on playing that same song. I guess he like <laughs> in the diehard world, he had that song on repeat for multiple hours is what I'm guessing. I don't know. Um, <laughs> what we're going to do now is we're going to move on to the wheel. So we're going to wrap things up a little bit. We got the wheel questions here. We got make it sexy, which we <laughs> always like to do. We got number two, new tower, new city, new hall, uh, new holiday. Number three, we got reboot this bitch. Number four, we got escape method. Number five, we got let's grow down. Number six, we got pick your diehard outfit. Seven, whammy. Eight, eighties magic. Nine, a bird in hand, and ten, respin. So we're gonna do a couple of these. Make uh, budge and. Joe and Preston figure something out. So we got number two. So a new tower, new city, new holiday. If you could pick a new city, new tower, new holiday, uh, obviously this takes place during Christmas, takes place during a big in, in a big tower in Los Angeles. Where would you pick your reboot for a diehard? Uh, new city, new town, new holiday. What would you do, Joe? That's actually a very that's an interesting question. Uh, I'm 
and I'm, I'll go close to home. I will say that if you could find a way during Mardi Gras to for you know like a building downtown of the French Quarter to be taken over by hostage, you know by terrorists or something, and McLean is up there, you know, getting a lap dance or something, and all of a sudden he has to push, <laughs> push the girl off, you know, with nothing on but a wife beater, and he's upstairs like. You know, everybody's blowing down up there, and he's got to like you know fight his way through the crowd. You know, I think that would be pretty good. <laughs> what do you think, Preston? And, and the, make a twist like all the terrorists are absolutely wasted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so they're they're super unpredictable. Um, I, I I'll go close to home as well and do the Salesforce Tower over in the uh, in SF in the city, and it would be Halloween. Because if you are, if you know the Salesforce Tower, they like they have these like awesome projections at the top, and so uh, I think it was last year they did the Eye of Sauron, which was really cool. But there's like there's just like this area up at the top of the of the Salesforce where I, I assume there's a lot of space and like you know, like I could just see John McClane up there and almost like being projected, you know, <laughs> like fighting and the machine guns being projected off the Salesforce Tower and. Uh, Halloween. That just seems like that would be a fun holiday to to do a remake. All right, bud. So it's if you didn't hear, it's new tower, new city, new holiday. If you could like redo Die Hard, what tower would you do it in? What city and what holiday would you recast or reboot this whole series in? So I I don't know if I if I've got if I'm lined up for like a a certain particular place or a holiday, but I do think that this movie could be updated kind of in a neat way. Like you make the was it like the Nakatoma company like a tech company, and that like uh, Argyle is an Uber driver, right? And that like yeah. so there's like and the only way they can communicate is like via Twitter. Like, right, like, because there's just, like, we, we've just kind of advanced enough technologically that I think that there's, like, some humor in that, too, right? So, like, if there was some way that, like, the terrorists could affect certain things, but not other, like, social media. So, like, that's the point of contact, and that's, like, how he's trying to get the alert out to the police. Yeah, the um, only way he could speak is, like, through the uh, that random message thing on the Uber app. Yeah, so, like, exactly, <laughs> right? Like, and, and then, like, I think there's some comedy there by being, like, or go, like, dude, I was just your Uber. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if John, if John McClane is kind of old school, <laughs> he doesn't have the app. And then, like, somebody now, he's like, he doesn't really understand how it works. And he's like, dude, I just dropped you off. Like, I'm not like <laughs> a driver for the day. You know what I mean? I don't know. Hijinks ensue, right? Like, yeah. Um, so I, I guess, like, in that sense, I don't have like a tower or place or a holiday. But, and I, and I said this to be clear, I said this about why I think this only works as a Christmas movie is because there, there's not another day of the year, I don't think, in which you can ensure that an entire building will be empty and then also ensure that, like, the police may be understaffed, right? Or whatever. Like the whole, the whole plot of the, the plan of, you know, Rickman and, and company relied on the fact that it was Christmas Eve, you know, yeah, and, then, and everybody was understaffed and then you had this been any other day of the year, the whole thing probably falls apart. Now, granted it didn't work, but anyway. All right. We're going to spin it a few more times. Oh, one, we got Make It Sexy, which we always like to do. So uh, this is one that has become sort of a mandatory question, but we're going to kick it off with Joe. How would you make Die Hard a little bit sexier, just for our audience out there who's wanting to maybe sort of, you know, 
fucking Die Hard in an interesting, different way. I think that they could have played up the love angle a little bit more, like the reunion with the ex-wife <laughs> or the wife. They hadn't seen like they they bang a little bit before <laughs> all the uh, the shit hits the fan. You know what I'm saying? And like it just as Bruce is where he rolls off of her and like slips the uh, he's like, he goes, babe. You know, lights a cig, puts the wife beater back on, and then like they start hearing the gunshots. You know what I mean? Like that, they could give you like a, a pretty good like inhale. You know, <laughs> flick the cig, be like, yeah, that was a good one, babe. You know, like, oh, like that. Man. yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Preston? How would you I, made it sexier? I definitely like that idea. Then you know, then now they've really rekindled because he just saved everyone's life, <laughs> and she's like, oh god, this is so hot right now. You're just saving people's lives left and right. <laughs> and, I, and I think, yeah, like instead, of, I think they have like a kiss, but you know, if just go full cliche and have like a ridiculous sex scene on the top, you know, the top of <laughs> down, down like uh, in the uh, ambulance or something as as the credits roll. Uh, Budge, how would you have made this sexier a little bit? So I just want to reiterate this: I have been to my fair share of office Christmas parties. I have never been to one like this. Uh, okay. That was wild, <laughs> and I've now I've been to some pretty wild, like just Christmas parties at houses, you know, and like, you know, family things. But so I think that like you just play that up again. You just make it outrageous. Like you find Ellis, you know, like he was doing lines on the on the desk. Have him doing lines off some breasts, you know, of of some yeah. un- intern. Like you play his character up even more. Yeah. Right. Like make it an intern. Make it like you know, I don't know. That that think, that's that's what I, I well, think. I will say you this: did, you did get like you remember that girl got pulled off the desk that she was hooking up with that guy, and you saw some uh, bare breasts. The said, weird thing about this movie is that like it started off. Uh, I don't want to say like uh, it almost hinted at there was going to be like some sexy moments in it. Like uh, Bruce Willis's character has like this like sort of like kind of like coy, sexy look at the flight attendant right at the very beginning oh, man, of it. I forgot and, about it. I have that in my notes. And then, and then when like, he's getting his like, luggage, remember he like turns and looks and there's like this blonde and like spandex that goes and like kind of like hugs yeah. her boyfriend yeah, but he's kind of but he kind of looks at her like, oh LA. Remember he says like LA right? Like it almost hints that there's going to be these sort of like really weird sexy moments but that never happens throughout the movie. So it really did. Like it started off in the first five minutes thinking, oh man, like Bruce Willis' character is going to like find himself in some all sorts of weird trouble, but it actually never happens. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you'd make it sexier. Other Like they did have that weird, weird moment where like there's a, what, like a calendar where he like, he like taps it and it's like a naked Ooh, woman on there. It keeps coming back. It's like, it's that same picture. Like he keeps running back through that room yeah. and it's like the, I guess the construction worker had like, yeah, like, yeah. like we gotta add a little sex to this type of movie, right? Yeah, gonna add a little. I don't. This was not. They threw it at you hard in the first ten minutes, like you were saying, buds. Like there was somebody coming in there and almost like trying to do mm-hmm. some like weird sex scene, but like they didn't actually follow through, which almost made it kind of a tease. So, um, <laughs> we're gonna spin it one more time, and then we're gonna get to our rankings here. Ooh, so let's bro down number five. Ellis, yeah, I knew it. Ellis is a total bro, a poon hound, and a cokehead. Could you last a night partying with him, or would you have to ditch him later on? And maybe this is due to age or whatever, but let's just assume you're in your mid thirties. If you were in your mid thirties, like uh, Bruce Willis's character was, John McClane, could you hang out with Ellis? Go for it, Preston. 
I mean, if I was, if I was, wait, sorry, did you say if I was Bruce Willis's character? Or just in your mid thirties? That's what I'm saying. Like, if like get like, I don't want to say like approach this question like in if you're 18 to 22, like we were in college. Like, if you were sort of like of age that we are now, how would you approach? If hanging I'm, out if with Ellis, like I'm now, and I'm like at a party, and and like there's that Ellis guy around, I probably would just avoid him at all. Costs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like me in my twenties, I probably would. There'd be a, a slight bit of hanging out for a little bit, <laughs> and then yeah, and then it'd be like get this. Like I have no more use of this person. I'm out of here. Yeah, you'd use them and then ditch them. <laughs> I mean, he's just like he's just that. I, I feel like we knew someone like that in college who was just so unbearable and yet like, so, again, like so confident and way too fucked up for his own. Yes, it was Eric Lannon. For his, I don't know who that is, but I'm sure it's pretty spot on. Dude, Ellis sure, is far sure more we successful than Eric like Lannon, Joseph. <laughs> I that, but I was going for the, the, the leech version of the, you know, the 80s yuppie. You couldn't stand to be around so, yeah. him. Like, but you might want him around just so if, like, if you are in a pickle and you need someone to do something real stupid, you well, know, or, or like really put his, his maybe his life on the line, then yeah, sure. I don't what do you think, Budge? How long could you last with Ellis? Uh, I don't know. I feel like Ellis has got to be what around our age. I, it's kind of unclear. I think he's younger or older. Well, that, yeah, I, I, I would I like to think he's older. I just think he's a little bit. I think, yeah, I think he's like our age, a little bit older. I mean, he's like the a, a vice president of a of a major corporation. I mean, I definitely think I could hang out with Ellis at least one night. Um, yeah, he seems like you know. I, I think it, it, it's like you said, Preston. He'd get old and obnoxious, but like one yeah. night if you're going out, like shit. I, I, I got like a party. Yeah, I, nice got, I, got a, I want Ellis. to reiterate that was a wild office Christmas party. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot stress that enough. You should well, no, let you know about an IPO that yeah. you may want to jump on. Yeah. Well, he was the <laughs> only person. He'll, he'll, Ellis was the only him. one doing coke. It wasn't like everyone else was doing it. It sounded like he was just like had a bag to himself. Dude, it wasn't like he. Was, like, I don't know what you're talking about. He may have been the only guy doing coke, but there were people just like you forget. Multiple people walked into these offices trying to hook up. Oh yeah, yeah. So, like, they definitely were like we were like just a, it wasn't just on. a drug party. Like Not it was yeah. also yeah, like a sex party. Joe, what do you think? If you had to like hang out with Ellis in modern day, how long could you last? Or do you think you would like hang out with them, or do you think you would just totally ditch like ignore his, ignore his phone calls? Uh, you know, I think that he would be a cool dude. I mean, not a cool dude. I think he would be a good dude <laughs> to have like all a nodding terms with that you could take bumps with at the Christmas party, like in the bathroom, and he would give you decent stock tips, but you don't want him calling you on the weekend. Yeah, you don't you don't like it's like somebody that you don't want like in the relationship with, but you don't want him calling you twenty four seven. I I'll tell you who Ellis is. Ellis is that guy who's uh like your buddy from college's friend from high school on a bachelor party. <laughs> that like you don't you get you get like Chad, one weekend good. with him but you don't have to have like some like long term relationship with. That's that's the Ellis in your life. Right. The type of person you you look think back you're like god, I could never be a friend with that person and yeah. like I am fine if I don't ever see them again. But and I'm but I'm but fine to did, associate right. with him for like okay. one weekend. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so Budge is happy to like literally meet this guy every weekend for once every year <laughs> and hang out. I mean, I, I I'll say it. you can put me put me on Budge on record for that. <laughs> well yeah much likes to throw it down at least one week in a year we're going to put them on record for that but we're going to move on to our ratings here we're going to move on to our acting performances our characters our music 
our plot. We're going to start with uh, Preston here acting out of 25 for this movie. What do you think? Okay, again, I feel a little handicapped here because I came, like, I, I just see it, and it's just, like, action movie with so many cliches, and it's so silly. You know, but the acting, it's, it is what it is. Like, it's perfect for Die Hard, right? Like, if, if I'm talking about it's just like top notch acting. Not, not really. I mean, it's it's pretty silly. Um, so I mean, I'm gonna give it uh, acting an 18. 18. What do you think, Joe? Acting now, 25. Uh, gosh, you know, it's hard for me not just to embrace the the 80s hokiness with both <laughs> arms and give it a bear hug. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna give it a 21. But what do you think? Um, so. I'll say this. I, I think that, uh, you know, you say 80s hokiness, but like this movie wasn't that hokey compared to other 80s action movies. Like it's not Point. by any means like f- high cinema, but like they're far worse. Uh, and, and so and again, and then again, it's not great. But let's be honest. Alan Rickman does a great job in this movie. And, and yeah. really just for that, I, I give this a 19. Um, I think that if this is worth noting, one of my favorite stories about this movie is that um, if, do you remember when Alan Rickman dies uh, when they drop Hans? Um, his face is you know like it's like it's you know holy crap like he looks shocked. So apparently when they were filming this movie, it's kind of one of the famous stories about this. They told Alan Rickman they were like, okay, we're gonna drop you on five, and when they said one, they dropped him, and so <laughs> that's his real reaction. That's why he's like, holy shit. <laughs> that's pretty cool yeah i have to go back and watch that again uh man I, I i like the acting in this movie like you said buds like this is one of those movies where you sort of have to judge it on what it is <laughs> i don't really have any complaints about it other than like i would love to complain about ellis but i think like he's doing exactly what he was directed to do yeah. so like he's just he's so ridiculous and so silly but like i'm gonna give it a 23 because that's exactly what they were told to do characters preston Characters, their backstory. How would you like how these characters were developed in this movie? Well, I don't think they were developed that well, uh, but I, I do, I do enjoy the characters. I think that's one thing that I now can see uh, that has that has really stayed with a lot of people are these characters. Like I, I'd, I'd heard of Ellis, I'd heard of Hans Gruber, certainly I've heard of John McClane and, and Al, and and uh, yeah, I mean, I think for this movie and for it to reach the status that it has as kind of this like cult film. Um, you have to have these like memorable characters. And I think it checks those boxes for the most part. I mean, I, th- I think they could all be developed a little bit more and be able and, you know, maybe just be better. I don't, I don't really know how to, to quantify that, but I'm going to give it uh, I guess I'll give it a 22. Uh, what do you think, Joe, in terms of characters and their development? Uh, you know, I, as we discussed earlier, I appreciate the fact that they used Christmas in a variety of non-traditional ways mm-hmm. to tie in the characters and the way it all came together. So I'll give it a 20. Budge? Um, I think that these characters were, were, you know, were interesting and, and they kind of did subverting. They weren't exactly what you expected, right? They were always like slightly different, you know, like they weren't quite the eco-terrorists right like they weren't quite um you know he wasn't quite the the new york oh you know stereotypical cop that you thought like he had a little badass in him 
But in that sense, I also think that they kind of thought they developed them more than they actually did. Like, hence what we were discussing with the Al and <laughs> Bruce Willis uh, relationship thing. So I guess in that sense, that like while they, they were interesting characters and they subverted the genre, they didn't quite get far enough for what they thought they did. So in that sense, I knock it about five points. And I give them a 20. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It is an action movie. I don't expect full, full, crazy development of these movies. So sometimes I like to give rankings based on context. I don't know. Like, I, I do think some of it was so ham-fisted. Like I said, like the, the, the character of Al, when he has to give this giant exposition about his whole backstory of why he can't like dispatch his weapon or whatever, almost feels a bit forced. Some of the other stuff feels a bit forced. But they still fit, fit it in there. I guess it's better than nothing. So I'm going to give it a 20 like Budge did. Uh, music. What do you think, Preston? What, what do you think about the music out of 25? Uh, well, music uh, done by Michael Kamen, um, who, for those who don't know, was a huge like pop rock arranger for a while and worked exclusively with Pink Floyd at times. And was the only, uh, the only, like, or one of the few people that was, invited to work with both David Gilmore and Roger Waters, like post their, you know, acrimonious breakup, so to speak. So he clearly is very, uh, is very talented. Maybe, maybe he's just a good person. Maybe a great personality. <laughs> um, but maybe just deal with like really difficult, creative people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, did, I did like what we talked about earlier, the Ode to Joy seeming to, uh, like he kind of weaved it into the, the theme a little bit. Um, I thought it was kind of cool. And um, yeah, I mean, a lot of it was kind of cheesy because it is from the 80s and you're dealing with like a lot of action scenes. I did like the uh, inclusion of like, uh, I think there's some either Mozart or maybe some Bach. Like I like the in uh, inclusion of classical music in a film like this. I feel like it, it was appropriate in an odd way. Um, so I think I'm going to give it a 22. I, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. How about that? Yeah. Well, Joe, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to give it the traditional Matthew Scott. I really didn't notice the, 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 the <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of engrossed in the film. Uh, so I'm going to give it an 18. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just my basic excuse for saying I have no idea what I'm talking about. What do you think, Budge? Uh, yeah, I actually, I thought it was pretty Way good. Way to rat me out. Yeah, <laughs> I thought they did a pretty good job. Um, you know, they I I loved like the incorporation of the Christmas uh classics, carols and and the hymns, and I also kind of liked the whole like Argyle. It was NWA, right? Did he did they that he put on in like the opening like when he's driving with Bruce Willis? Uh, I'd have to go back and look. It's gotta be. I mean, I it's Los Angeles. Yeah. You mean? But yeah, so like <laughs> in that sense, like I I I enjoy it, and it, and now for that reason alone, I give it twenty one. Yeah, uh, uh, like like Preston was talking about earlier, I really did. Like, maybe I just think I'm too smart for picking up on the Ode to Joy thing. I do think that was like some weird mix in terms of like the classical music with the bad guys were showing up. I really enjoyed that. Other than that, like I'm going to say exactly what Joe said. I, it's one of those movies where you don't really pick up on it too much because it's a giant blow em up action movie where they're shooting everything. I don't know. It's something that I'm not paying attention to. I'm going to give it a 20. Um, Preston, we're going to move on to the plot, the overall plot, the story. What do you think? This is the biggest one out of 25. How do you see it? Uh, well, you know, 
for me, like for a little while, I think I was just I was just trying to figure out what exactly the terrorists wanted to do. Like, what is mm. what was their main objective here? And like for me, like I'm trying, like is that does that make me not just like get a, a few less points? You know, I think the plot was like let's make a badass action film, like with just crazy scenes and you know some quirky eccentric characters. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I had a good time. I'm just gonna give it a solid twenty. Okay. Joe, what did you think of the plot? A little different precedent? Do you have the same opinion? Uh, I'm going to mark it higher. Uh, I think that, you know, by virtue of the fact that it spawned, what, four sequels? You know, I don't know however many they, they made. I mean, like, it, 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 and it was almost, the you know, like a blueprint for, you know, action movies for the next decade, decade and a half. So I'm going to give it full marks, 25. 25. Ooh. What do you think? Uh, I, you know what, like I'm now going to give this a big compliment and feel bad because I'm I'm only giving it a 20, but I I think that this movie was tight and in that sense, uh, and it it was done well for what it was, but I also think it did a pretty, I really liked the way incorporated Christmas and it, like the people being like the building being empty. It also the twist with like the terrorists, not actually being like, um, you know, eco terrorist or like, you know, having a particular cause, it's actually a robbery. Um, I kind of thought all that was like just a really interesting plot point, and I'm pretty sure that's how like a, you know they sold the script. Uh, but in that and so in that sense, you know, again, like I, I gave it a twenty, but like I think this has one of the better plots. Uh, and and also like the whole the way that like he couldn't that he tried to alert the authorities to the, you know, to the being a hostage situation. Like I think that that that's like kind of an interest. You know, if you look back on it, like that's a really interesting <laughs> plot point. Like. <laughs> No, no, I 100 yeah, percent agree with you. Like, I'm gonna give it higher than that because in that sense, like, I kind of want to go like, up. Now I feel like I just said that. Fuck it, throw me a 22. Fuck it. Yeah, there, there's not uh, much. Like, I'm changing like, that. I, I like to bitch about stuff. It's really, really not too much to bitch about this yeah. from a plot standpoint. Like, yeah, there, there are some. There are some moments in which you're like, okay, that's a little far fetched. Like again, like Bruce yeah. But like from the standpoint of like a story, it's actually pretty. Everything like sort of falls in yeah. line and makes sense in terms of how things sort of fall onto themselves. No, I, I, I love that's why I love this movie in the sense that, like, not only is it entertaining, not only does like everything sort of work out, but it's like it really does in terms of like when you keep watching it, you don't really have too many moments where you go, Oh, that that wouldn't actually happen or that wouldn't make sense. Sure. The only thing, the only thing that like we were talking about earlier is maybe that C4 explosion would have like caused a lot yeah, more but damage. See, like, but those, that, that, that's like the minutiae, like the overall story yeah, is plot, really cool. But, yeah. It's like a really yeah, interesting exactly. and like, you know, original, you know, frankly. Yeah. So, so I'm giving it a 23 uh, precedent. If you want to you want to realign yourself before we. Well, yeah, you know, look. I think just having just this be my first time seeing it, like I need to, I, everyone I know who's seen this movie has seen it like five plus times. So I think I need to watch it a couple more times. So I, yeah, I'll give, I'll give the film a courtesy. Couple, <laughs> One point. Uh, bump. Well, no, we'll go, we'll go 22. We'll go 22. Okay, 22. Will, will you call that a budge bump? A budge bump. <laughs> I'm call that a, an Alice bump. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's going to wrap up our discussion on Die Hard, the 1988 awesome action movie classic we don't really know what we're gonna do next week because it's gonna be the holiday season so we're gonna be sort of a little bit uh you know tell our schedule everyone's on the horizon uh well on the horizon we've got uh, a couple people sort of lined up we got uh some some big big names we got 
I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to drop the names right now, but we definitely have some really, really fun things coming out after New Year comes around. And it's going to be some great new times for the Cinema Syndicate podcast. So everyone, please stick around. We're going to just keep on growing, keep on getting bigger. Um, keep on budging. And we're going to keep on budging. So that's going to wrap it up for the Die Hard episode. We don't know what we're going to do next week. We might just have an episode of uh, 71, which is a fantastic uh irish war movie classic but then we don't know maybe, maybe we're gonna do something else but we're definitely gonna review wonder woman 1984 which is gonna come yeah. up so that's definitely gonna happen um any final thoughts after that budge joe Preston? keep on budging keep on budging budget <laughs> makes me feel budget makes me feel good there you go Zauber binden viele, was die Mode strengt, ein Paar.